college football, P5 versus G5. I'm your co-host, Steve Payson, and we'll get over the tray in just a quick second. For today, it's going to be a quick show because there's really not much to talk about. Um, there's the, the big elephant in the room, um, pun intended. Literally. <laughs> um, with the national championship review. And we'll get into um, the coaching hires for both Trey and my my team. And then we'll uh, go into a quick real review slash what we're looking forward to um, next season. And so with that, Trey, what did you think about that game this week? Man, oh man, it was, it may have been a lot worse than what it was, but what a show Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide put on. I cannot, there's not, I don't think there's enough expletives to explain how impressive that game was. And I don't think the score is indicative of the performance because it was dominant from opening from the opening whistle to the final whistle. It was, it was all Alabama all the way. And I just, I'll, I'll get to my thoughts in a minute, but just, Wow. What exactly? Don't tell, tell me what tell me what you saw. I mean, it, it, it ended up being a blowout and but and unlike other blowouts where I say, "Oh, okay, turn it off, go to bed." I sat there and I watched the entire game. I basically sitting on not literally, but sitting on the edge of my seat for looking for every play call that came out of Sarkeesian. I mean, that was a team win through and through. I'm talking the players, the coaches, the coaches' wives. Um, <laughs> it was everybody was in on that. And I think that was a much, um, I, I think that was a more dominant, <laughs> dominant performance than the 2009 game. Uh, when everybody thought that that was the the ultimate, I'm not even going to try and say that word, (laughs) Um, the ultimate uh, domination. This was, I mean, Sarkeesian put on a clinic on how to to call a football game. Uh, Ohio State had had no clue what was coming next. So... I'm dumbfounded. I, I can't, I can't come up with the words to actually describe what I saw. And then Mac Jones, um, this was the, actually one of the first times I've I had to sit down and I actually watched an Alabama game with him at quarterback and he had command of that offense that, I, I didn't think he would ever have, you know, coming in with Tua into in with Tua's class and sitting on the bench behind Hertz, behind Tua, you think, oh, he he he's the backup. And like everybody was saying, Oh, we got uh is it Prince? I wanna say Bryce Young. Bryce yeah, Bryce Bryce Young, not Prince. <laughs> My purple's showing there. But you know, he's like, oh, we, we just got to sit through him and and get the get the young. But no, this guy, full command. The one play that stood out in my head was the the pass to the flat with uh, Najee Harris. Everything was going to the right, and all of a sudden, Mac Jones just does this spin move in midair and tosses it to. Najee and boom, 25 yards later, it's a touchdown. Well, go ahead. That, that was a great play, but let's not take away from the fact that Najee Harris made some moves and got into the end zone and proved just what an open field threat he is. And as a served as a really good indicator, what's going to happen at the next level. I think. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I mean, every player out there, Najee Harris had a great game. And, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner 
and one half broke a national championship record in two different categories in one half. Yeah. yeah. 12, 12 catches, 215 yards, three touchdowns and didn't and played one snap in the, in the third quarter. If, if he's not, if he's in there for the rest of the game, they might call the dogs off in the fourth quarter. However, <laughs> that third quarter, he might hang two more touchdowns and probably about 75 to hundred more yards on there. So, I mean, he proved why he was the Heisman winner. Yeah. The slim, the slim reaper saved saved his last game for quite possibly one of his best, and and like you said, it was just a touch of what that what that whole team did because mm-hmm. I'm uh, that second quarter when Alabama's on that on that twenty eight point tear. I'm looking and I'm watching the O line, right? And you've got Leatherwood, and you've—I uh, can't remember the center's name right at this time—but you've got all these uh, four and five star guys who are just monsters. And then, in amongst all them, I'm looking and I'm like, "Who is this mountain of a person on the inside?" Okay, and <laughs> I look again, and I had to, and I had to look him up because the guy was just huge. And so <laughs> his, he was, uh, his name is Deontay Brown. Okay. He's a senior. He's from Decatur, Alabama, 6'4, 350 pounds. And this dude is moving people like they said something bad about his mother. Mm-hmm. And he, oh, and it was just, and it wasn't just him though. These guys are out there on the perimeter and they're hitting the zone blocks and they're just, they were all over the defensive line for Ohio state all game long. And the, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Mac, jo- Mac Jones tosses for 464 yards and five touchdowns. And he still had, and he still had stuff to go like, yep. and, and, and like I said, but, like I said before, it could have been a lot worse because with a Mac Jones fumble in the first, Ohio State goes down and scores and keeps it 14-14. Now, Mac Jones doesn't put the ball on the turf. You're talking probably at least another three, probably another touchdown the other way. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a 14-point swing, so it could have been a lot worse. And then on top of that, Smith goes out in the third and and has to leave – Five, six more catches out on out on the table and a touchdown or two. Yep. I mean, and and it's not like Ohio State had a bad game. No, that's just it. Just, it, it, they, it, it wasn't a bad game by any stretch of the means. But I mean, Fields doesn't even throw for two hundred yards. Uh, Sermon was out. I mean, Teague did a decent job. He man, he looked like a bowling ball at times. Yeah. but. Um, I thought I was when Sermon went out. I thought, oh, this 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 could hurt him. And but Teague came in and just he played really well. And if there, I don't think there was a loss. I mean, doesn't doesn't have the breakaway speed that Sermon does, but he he was popping off eight, ten, twelve yard plays. I'm like, okay, they're well, doing you well. Know, you know who it reminded me of. Watching him, watching his running style, it reminded me of Eddie George. Big back, square mm. shoulder, big back, square shoulders, and he was just thumping dudes right and left. But uh, getting back, getting back to Alabama, it, on the defensive side of the ball, it was <laughs> they weren't any slouch either. Uh, nope. Uh, Christian Barrymore. Yep. Was he was making a living in the backfield, and he looked. Absolutely great, and I'll be real interested to see who goes where in the upcoming draft. Because I guarantee it's not one or two guys that are be going from Alabama squad this year. <laughs> no, that's um, it's like somebody else has said. They might have well have changed the Home Depot College Awards to the Alabama College Awards because. They won every single 
offensive category. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they racked up uh, 10, I think I saw it was 10 awards, 10, 10 national awards on Alabama's football team uh, and a national championship. Yep. Leatherwood. Championship. Leatherwood got uh, the offensive line. I can't remember the name of that one. Remington went to Dickerson, who didn't even play this game. Uh, he did. He got in for the the last victory formation play. Hey, that that was one of the greatest things because they said he was done and out for the season. And yeah, dude, ACL. dude suits up and dude suits up and goes out on the field for for a couple snaps. And that was that. That's yep. kind of why. That's kind of why we watch the game, right? We yeah. we watch for moments like that. I mean, Dickerson brings in the the Remington. You had Smith that <laughs> what didn't he win? Uh did he he got the Maxwell, correct? No, Maxwell's quarterback. That was Mac Jones. Yeah. Um, what's the most out besides the Heisman, there's another outstanding player. Um, let's see. I think Najee got the Walter Camp. I yep. think um Devontae got the Blitnikoff, the Heisman, and uh, it's escaping me right now. I can't remember. Yeah, it's it's the other outstanding player mm-hmm. award that I don't even know why they have it since they have the Heisman. But you know, hey, somebody's got to get their spot their 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 sponsor name on there. Yeah, but I think I thought it was interesting to hear Ryan Day's comments after the game, and he's just like, "Man, we're we're tired. <laughs> we we're gonna because the question was asked. Well, what do you do now? He's like, "Well, we're gonna." We're gonna take a break and just kind of re- recuperate. Not not saying it's it was a long game, but I mean it was. But it's just been a long season, and I'm sure that going through all the hoops that Ohio State went through, and pretty much the college football world had to go through to play games this fall. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure those sentiments echoed across the college football verse. Yeah. And and that's 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 a great segue. Um, we can move into the the how the year went, and like you said, it's it was an exhausting year. Um, just with everything, even even for fans, um, I remember the beginning of the season and the mount when the big you know the MAC announced first they weren't going to play. And then I believe the Big Ten and Pac-12 announced. Then the Mountain West announced right shortly after. And I was like, well, okay. That's what it is. It's for a good reason. And I'll, I'll deal with watching SEC, ACC, and I'll get some football in. And as soon as the game started, I'm sitting there and they're all talking about other teams and my team's not getting talked about. And I'm like starting to sit there and go, uh, uh, we're, uh, I couldn't handle it. And I thought I could, but I, it was, it was, <laughs> it was tough not being able to watch a team I've watched since 95. And, watch other teams play is just but then things changed up and we were able to get out there and able to at least get some football yeah i was i really didn't have the same same thoughts just because you know when conferences started announcing that you know there wouldn't be any football and and or any fall sports in, at all I was like, mm, I bet this doesn't fly in the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, mm, no, that's not going to happen. And the ACC, I wasn't, I didn't think they would cancel either. Uh, to be honest with you, I was kind of, and I was kind of surprised to see the Big Ten and the Pac-12 uh, say, "No, we're not playing football." And I'm like, uh. Well, okay. Well, you've got the ACC, you've got the American, you've got the Big 12, you've got 
all these other teams that are playing, why aren't they playing? Well, come to come to listen to the narrative and some of the stories behind the scenes was uh, the Big Ten commissioner was he was ex- he was expecting to get out in front of it and and be the trendsetter. And I guess the Pac-12 and the Big Ten kind of go hand in hand, and you know they they mimic and are a parody of each other. Yep. So what had happened was they jumped out and they're like, no, we're not going to play. And everybody else is like, well, we're going to play. <laughs> <laughs> they and, also got some, they also got, they, they jumped the gun. The big 10 jumped the gun on some, um, uh, on some medical information. Um, they got some, they got some raw data that they didn't do the, they, they didn't do the due diligence on the data and they said, Oh, we, we can't play. We can't play the danger to the heart. The, the, the myocarditis is, is too much. So we're not going to play, but again, yeah. they didn't, they didn't do the proper, they didn't do the proper math on that. And they jumped the gun. Well, I mean, uh, personally, I think both the conferences kind of paid for it. Um, not having the exposure and not having, you know, national and not having national primetime games, I think really may, may not hurt some of the big programs, but I think some of the programs like uh, Indiana and uh, Washington and some of those, some of those others that aren't necessarily a national mainstream on a regular basis, I think they could have benefited for, being in the in the public eye a little more uh yeah yep you're you're correct on that one um uh, let's talk about indiana for a second there was that was a pleasant surprise on the on, on the big boy on the big boy side um that first game that opening game against penn state and i was Flipping back and forth, flipping back and forth, going, wait a minute, are they going to actually do this? Unfortunately, I missed watching the two-point conversion live. But mm-hmm. I flipped over just in time to catch them talking during the replay on it. And I was like, they actually did it. And watching their progression through the season, it kind of made me think about another Big Ten program, and that was the Golden Gophers from from your home state mm-hmm. and and PJ Flex Squad um, a year or two ago. They they kind of had the same run where they were going on a tear and they were they were making a, making a little splish splash up there in Big Ten country. So I'll be interested to see what happens. Uh, next season as they're going forward well i'm we're probably the summer vacation this year we're heading out to uh, uh mount rushmore i might take the extra 12 hour trip to minneapolis and go pick up that le- egg they laid but that's neither here nor there <laughs> um now to get to what this what I originally wanted this podcast to be about was to talk about some G five schools. This was actually a G five year. Um, if you, if you sit down and think about it, um, if you (laughs) technically BYU is not a G five because they're an independent, they are an independent, they are considered in everybody's eyes. They are considered a G five school. They go on a tear. Yeah. I'll, I'll be it on a, on a schedule that they had to put together almost on a weekly basis. Um, um, they, they literally, they literally took a game on, on two, three days notice. Yep. And that was with the other noteworthy G five school, coastal Carolina. They, they dominated the the Sun Belt, and um, you had Liberty. I believe they're yeah. also independent. Oh yeah, uh, Hugh Freeze took them to heights that they've 
and their very short, very short history that they haven't seen. Uh, what was what was another an, well, another smaller school that had a oh San Jose? How can I forget this one? San Jose State, um, best season they've had in decades. Well, they're 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 perennially a bottom dweller there in the mountain West. And I don't think they've, like you said, they haven't had a season like that in a long, long time. So it's, and it just, it felt weird. I mean, seeing all this um, group of five success, it felt weird because they, they were getting talked about, but they weren't getting talked about. If you can follow what I'm trying to say there. I got you. Uh, um, it was kind of like, you know, token conversations. They weren't real serious conversations. And that's another thing that kind of gets me about the, the, the national media um, and how this G5 the, this G5 renaissance or whatever you want to call it from this year brought up conversations of maybe possibly expanding the, the playoff. And I know uh, Tim Brando and we've talked, we've talked about it uh, in a previous episode. Tim Brando is a real big um, advocate for including these G five schools. And if you sit down and think about it, I'm going slightly off, slightly off, a little bit here. If you think about it at the start of the season, half of the teams are eliminated straight up before a game is even played. Half the teams are eliminated from possibility of getting to the playoffs. That's got to change somehow, some way, somewhere that's got to change. But moving back to the review, there's my soapbox. I'm off of it now. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, that's that for, for those of you that maybe haven't caught all of our episodes, that's, that's the premise of our, of our podcast. Okay. We, we want to see the little guy and who's making noise. We want to see the SMUs. We want to see the Cincinnati's. We want to see them on the big stage and give them their just due desserts desserts because it's not about the big, the big schools. It's not, it's not about the guys with the hundred million dollar budgets and, and who have got, you know, more money than they know what to do with. It's about, it's about the programs that put something together and make that magical run and give, give the college football world something to talk about. And that's part of what we do. Okay. That's what we want to bring to light. And I think that this year, like you said, it was, it was a bit of a renaissance because you did have the coastals, you had the liberties, you had the BYUs, you had the Cincinnati's, you had the SMUs and, and unlike other years where it's maybe one or two teams, you had a handful of teams that played really good ball all year long. And I don't think they got what they deserved. No. And, Um, and look, since, you know, Cincinnati got, you know, absolutely robbed. Um, right or wrong, I think the top four were correct. Look at look at Texas A and M; they got left out. I think they they were just as deserving as Notre Dame. Cincinnati definitely, with that defense that Cincinnati had, that they should have been right up knee deep right in the conversation, but they were pushed off to the side. Like, no, I'm there. Yeah, get away. Well, that, that I, I have a kind of, kind of a question on that because I, I know how I see them. How do you see Cincinnati? Are they a power five school? Are they more of a G five school? I mean, how do you see them? Okay. Well, when we um, talk about power five and group of five, there, there's an um, accessory term out there and it's power program. Okay. Um, 
And what I, what, what's meant by a power program is maybe one of those group of five teams that's in the group of five, but they consistently have that national exposure. And we're talking teams like Cincinnati, teams like Boise State, uh, recently teams like UCF um, that, that get that national exposure. I do see um, Cincinnati as one of those power programs. Uh, they are consistently a very good program, especially under Fickle. And mm-hmm. the, so, and I hate to say this, the American is or has definitely surpassed the Mountain West. I don't know if it's their marketing their 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 marketing ploy of a power six conference that has attracted recruits or what's ha- or if it's the individual teams but the American had you know teams like Tulsa this year uh Cincinnati uh UCF in the past this year they didn't do so well but you know um SMU with their resurgence uh, who am I missing out of that school, out of that conference? Um, oh, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, but you know, the, the typical power programs right now, I'd, I'd say Boise state, Cincinnati, I'm still, I'm still on the fence on UCF just because, you know they had those two undefeated years, and now that they're they're back, uh, they're back to a like three loss average the last couple of years. But yeah, you got the power programs that consistently recruit well, consistently at the national level. That's definitely where Cincinnati and they should have been in the conversation more than they were for this year so uh let's see in the american we've got memphis houston has made noise houston has made some noise in uh in recent years um still kind of surprised navy went there Uh, i figured they would stay on the independent route but uh yeah ucf temple cincinnati usf east carolina yukon smu navy tulsa yeah, so, it, was, it was Memphis. Memphis is also one of those power programs that to, they've done to me, well. For me, it's kind of reminiscent of they're kind of on par with Conference USA. Um, as far as, you know, power and that sort of thing. But I think here in the last four or five years, they kind of had a bit of a resurgence uh, as far as notoriety and national exposure. Uh, speaking of national exposure, and I'm just going to go ahead and switch gears just completely on you. <laughs> what were the what was your thought on Notre Dame competing in the ACC? Um, they need to be in a conference. Um, you think? Uh, yeah, that's the. It's much better when Notre Dame is being talked about along with other conferences. I know there's, I, I know there's this, um, I almost said stigma, but it's not stigma. There's this area. There's, a, there's this idea that Notre Dame is college football. Well, I agree with that in a little bit and a little bit. I don't agree with, um, but I don't think they belong in the ACC. Um, I believe they, they they belong. They're smack dab in the middle of it. They should be in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And there's right geogra- geographically, they're right dead smack in the middle of it. Um, Nebraska, Nebraska, and they've that was another. Here's another part of the review. The the stink that they put up when one of their games was canceled. And they went out looking for another game, and the Big Ten slapped them on the wrist and said, "No, we're going to play only conference games, no out of conference games." 
and Nebraska was still kind of saying, yeah, shut up, Big Ten. We're going to still look. And then they got slapped on the wrist even harder, and then they shut up. Well, I, I, like, the, I like the idea of Nebraska being back in the Big 12 with Oklahoma and Texas. Yes. And, uh, yeah, they just need to go back to that. Um, they're not. The next round, I think it'll happen. It, it can very well be, and I, I'd like to see it. But there's a there's a lot of teams that I want to see move back to either old conferences or more geographically focused conferences. You know, I'd I'd like to see Georgia Tech and maybe Clemson. Well, maybe not Clemson, but definitely Georgia Tech. I'd like to see Georgia Tech back in the SEC. Um, the Notre Dame thing makes sense because they compete in the ACC and everything else. Yep. Basketball, baseball, you know, everything else is there in the ACC. Now, geographically, like you said, they're, they're, in, they're in South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> it's literally in the middle of Big Ten country. Yep. But wow. um, just I'd like to see uh, West Virginia go to the ACC and quit doing this Big 12 thing. Yep. They're trying to keep up with the Joneses in the Big 12 with the offenses that are in the Big 12, and they're just not the, – the recruit – I don't know. It's gonna. It boils down to the recruits. You know, on the East Coast there, they all know – like you said, they all know the Atlantic Coast Conference. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of a sudden they're thrown into this Big 12, which is – Let's face it; it's the old Southwest Conference, um, <laughs> minus A and M, minus Arkansas. But yeah, right. It's it's right. It's Texas with Oklahoma. I'm talking states here. <laughs> Texas, oh, yeah. Oklahoma, and that's it. I mean, you got Iowa State up there in Iowa. You've got the Kansas schools. You're talking dead center of the country a stripe down the center of the country. And here you got West Virginia off on the East coast. And it just, you look at the map and you scratch your head. Yeah. And there you go. I lost you there for a few seconds. Yeah. Well, in a way with the, with the big East, which, uh, which I, I don't like it, but you know, West Virginia was like, well, we need, we need, you there? Yeah, I got okay. you. You're a little Clatter scratchy, but I got you. Anywho, when they did away with with it in search of new and greener pastures, you know, Oklahoma and Texas were were big news. I mean, they're still big news, but they they weren't as they were. So I think that's what kind of kind of jumped the jumped them onto that wagon, so to speak. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely the Benjamins. That's you know I I, I we've kind of gone on off the review here for a second, but that's a good conversation we got going. Um, when Texas A and M left the Big Twelve for the SEC, I scratched my head on that one too. I'm a traditionalist, uh, and like I like I brought up, I remember the Southwest Conference. I remember the Southeast Conference, uh, Big East. Whack football, which whack football has been long dead. You know, Pac-10, we're, we're talking way back then, and the traditionalist, that's where I grew up at, and that's how I view it, and that's how I'd like to view it back. Uh, unfortunately, it's not going to happen, but we'll see how, how that goes. It happened out west. I want. I wanted to see. Uh, I wanted to see Boise State join the pack to join the Pac-12. Uh, I I really wanted to see them step up and start start swinging with the Oregon's and the USC's because I I think they could. Yeah, it's unfortunately it comes down to something outside of athletics, and that's and politics. and that's the <laughs> well politics and the academics. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, Boise State, they've been a four-year school 
only since 67 and they've only been a school since 1932. So the, their academics are lagging well behind. I mean, they're making huge strides. I, they're catching up quite quickly, but they're still not there. Um, and it'll take, it'll take a big TV contract to uh, possibly get that changed and and that's the best obviously that's the best fit for Boise State is the Pac-12 um, it's what they're emulating their, their athletic department they're emulating Pac-12 athletic departments it's putting a financial strain on them but they're emulating what the Pac-12 is doing there um, when it comes to athlete um, cost of living when it comes to everything else um, along those lines Boise State is doing like I said it's a financial strain but they're moving forward towards that and that is their ultimate goal is to get into the Pac-12 I don't think that's a big secret no not at all and um, when okay when that does happen yeah it'll be I give it four years and they will be they will be competing for a Pac-12 championship mm. you heard it fo- you heard it here fo- first folks it might be a few years I mean uh, <laughs> we could look back 20 years from now and say look at this look what he said <laughs> <laughs> yeah but if but if you're through if it comes to fruition guess what you're a genius Yep. Right. Until then, so, you're just a home. Until then, you're just a homer. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, that this is a great segue because um, I wanted to get off uh, before we get into uh, what we're looking forward to. I just wanted to touch on some of the hires that Boise State has has made, and you can comment on what Auburn has gotten to. Um, so, last few episodes, we've been chronic, chron, chronicling, there you go, the, the coaching change that has affected both mine and Trey's team. Uh, Brian Harson moved from Boise State to Auburn, so we've been going over what we believe, how the, how the hires have been going, and how everything else has gone. So, this week... A bunch of hires have uh, have come down um, since uh, Andy Avalos took took the reins last week, um, and most of it is on the strength and conditioning side. Uh, and there's ter- <laughs> they're stripping University of Oregon of their their strength and conditioning um, staff. They hired Kagi Reed Kagi as the um, top strength and conditioning coach and they've also brought in just let's see here they've also brought in and i'm probably going to butcher his name brandon pietzik um he was he was their quality control strength and conditioning coach for football and they've also gotten um let's see white out of san jose state out of their out of their strength and conditioning uh, side, so that is a lot more a lot more hires out of strength and conditioning than we've lost. We lost two positions to Auburn, but we've hired three. So um, the weight room is getting a lot uh, a lot more individuals into it. Um, they also pulled in. And I think this is going to be a slam dunk. Devell Winters, also from Oregon, as their chief of staff. Uh, basically, what a chief of staff is for is to take care of the duties that the head coach doesn't want to take care of. <laughs> um, Somebody, somebody's got, somebody's got to do it, right? Exactly. But he, 
Um, spent three years with Oregon as their assistant director for player personnel, player development. And that's the biggest thing that the chief of staff takes care of um, is getting the um, recruits in, getting them settled, getting their schedules right, um, and working with the players directly to help them with things other than football. So I, th I think this one's going to be a, a slam dunk. And prior to this week, they announced Spencer Danielson, who was the uh, defensive line coach. Um, he's going to move up to um, uh, DC. defensive coordinator. Yep. Then um, I think it's Jim. Uh, Jim Plow. He is going to move to OC. He is currently, well, currently it was with Boise State, but he came from uh, Cal Davis as their offensive coordinator. He was up for the um, FCS award for coordinators. I don't know what the name for that was. Uh, Broyles, or, Broyles award? No, Broyles is for the uh, um, FBS. Oh. Um, the FCS award, um, I could look it up here real quick, but he was up for that award and oh, and, and here's here's the Boise State connection with him. Who happens to be the head coach at Cal Davis right now? I, I wouldn't expect you to know this, Trey, but um, it is currently Dan Hawkins. I was about to say, is it Hawk? Yep. He went back to Davis. Uh, he was a player. He was a fullback at Davis, and now he's coaching at Davis, and they're doing quite well under him. Um, it, that offense that Plow had, and if I'm butchering his name, I'm sorry. It's spelled P-L-O-U-G-H. It could be yeah. Plow, or it could be Plow. So, um, sounds like Plow. Yep, and um, he had one of the top FBS, not FBS, excuse me, FCS offenses. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be a good, great staff, the defensive line coach. And I am losing his name at the, uh, at the current moment. And let's see if I can find it real quick. Ah, here we go. Frank Maley, he's going to be um, the defensive line coach. He had, he came out of Oregon, or not Oregon, he came out of uh, Utah State. He was Utah State's interim head coach. And this was, we're going back to a little review. Um, Utah State got rid of um, their head coach, Anderson, in the middle of the season, and Maley took over. So they were bowl eligible. Well, everybody was bowl eligible this year. Ooh. But the players came. Um, there was some controversy with the Utah State uh, president making some comments about uh, Maley's religious um, followings. And Ooh. the players didn't take too kindly to that. They boycotted. They boycotted any bowl game that they might have uh, have gotten in support of Frank Maley. That tells me a ton. That's a that says a lot. Yes. So in his introduction um, interview, he came out, and <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. He says, "We are going to play a violent form of football." My eyebrows went up and went, mm. Mm. okay, I think we got a D-line coach. So there is a quick breakdown that, that leaves a couple, uh, such as running backs. Um, I hope we, um, I hope we maintain with Lee Marks. Uh, he's, well, no, he went to Fresno State. So I don't know who our running backs coach is right now. Um, I hope we stick with um, Miller uh, wide receivers. And we're hoping Wes Nurse, who was a safety with Boise State, 
and I don't know where he's coaching at right now, but Wes Nurse has made some adjustments to his Twitter account that kind of point towards him heading this way. Um, he would be an outstanding corners or even a defensive back coach. Um, whether it's they split corners and safeties up, either position he'd, he'd be outstanding with. So there's a couple more that need to be hired or at least made public. So um, how's Auburn looking? Well, uh, Brian Harson brought down uh, quite a few, quite a few guys with him uh, from Boise. Uh, he brought down um, Will Friend, Brad Beadle, uh, Jeff Schmetling, uh, but a couple of the more interesting hires he hired. Uh, Mike Bobo is offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach out of South Carolina. Um, he's he's been a head coach in Colorado State and most recently with Will Muschamp's uh, crew up in. Uh, Columbia, South Carolina, but he also brought in Derek Mason, former head coach at Vanderbilt, as his defensive coordinator. And I got you got to like that because the defenses at Stanford that Derek Mason had under under David Shaw out there, they were really good. <laughs> they were they were they 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 were top ten in the country. So yes, they were. you got you got to feel like that's going to be a right move. Uh, for Coach Harson going forward, uh, they retained Cadill- uh, Carnell Cadillac Williams as running backs coach, and that's always a good thing to win points uh, there in Auburn. Uh, most recently, uh, I think here within the last uh, 24, 36 hours, they hired Tracy Rocker uh, to be the defensive line coach, also coming over from South Carolina, but he's made stops. Ooh, at Troy, he's made stops at he, – he had a previous stop at Auburn. So, for him, it's a bit coming home. For those of you that don't know who Tracy Rocker is, uh, he was um, Outland uh, defensive lineman, uh, two-time uh, SEC All-American uh, NFL, NFL guy. And he, bring, he brings a lot of notoriety, especially – since uh, he's coming home. In addition to that, uh, Derek Mason brought in Zach Etheridge, who was a captain on the 2010 uh, National Championship team for Auburn to coach cornerbacks. Uh, so that pretty much shows up a lot of the coaching staff that Harson needed to sign. He's got some interesting names for the last two spots, however. Um, Travis Williams and Larry Porter, uh, both uh, – holdovers from the previous administration uh Travis Williams being linebackers and uh Larry Porter being tight ends of special teams I would assume he would uh stay on with the latter rather than the former uh Brian McClendon they're talking about coming down from Oregon uh as a passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach they're basically looking for wide receivers coach right now uh a couple more uh, interesting names that are on the on the on the short list, one is T. Martin uh, coming down from Tennessee, uh, which is his alma mater. You, yeah, you may remember him from uh, Tennessee's last national championship uh, the year after Peyton left. When yeah, go Tennessee, figure. When Tennessee took it all, I don't know. Uh, and my personal hope, wish, and endorsement. We would go to uh, Damian Craig, who is uh, coming off Jimbo Fisher's staff from Florida State as a wide receivers coach. Damian, uh, Damian Craig was a quarterback in uh, the late 90s there at Auburn and team captain. Um, and more importantly, he's uh, he was with Jimbo down in uh, Florida State, and he's made some uh, a few other coaching stops as well. But he is a awesome recruiter and is is a big piece of recruiting puzzle down um, around his hometown of Mobile, Alabama. <clears throat> so yeah. he has he has kind of an in with all them. So it'd yeah. be it'd be it'd be a real nice get and uh, a real good get if uh, he gets him to come over there from Aggieland. 
Yep. Um, that's, that's not a bad, <laughs> that's not a bad mentor to have on the offensive side. Yeah. Not, not too shabby. Right. Yeah. And that, and that about fills it out for Harson staff. He's a, he's got a few more, a uh, couple positions to fill and it's kind of who wants to join him and who will buy into what him and Derek Mason have got going on there uh, in Auburn. <laughs> yep. So, as as we mentioned before, we're going to be uh, our last little bit is kind of what we're looking forward to in the 21, uh, 2021 football season as far as expectations and maybe bold prognostications. And Steve, I'll 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 let you go ahead and take lead on this because I've got some I've got one that's you're never going to pick up on. So go ahead and tell me what you got. Normalcy. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's get back to spring football on schedule. Let's get back to fall camp on schedule. Um, let's get back to fans in the stands. Um, and let's, let's get back to, sitting in the stands, losing my voice, listening to the band and, and watching some football. Um, that's, that's my, that's my hope. I I think we'll get there, but more specifically, I want to see, uh, what Andy Avalos can do with his with his enthusiasm, with his recruiting and his intensity and what his staff and the exist, the, the players that are staying behind, what they can get done. Uh, I, I really want to look forward to that. Um, I'm going to keep my eye down there in the panhandle of Florida and keep my eye out on uh, Mr. Norvell and Florida State. I really want them to come back. I really want them to be the the that national program that they've been in the past. Uh it's it's just a better college football world when uh Florida State is at the top. Uh I want to see how how Alabama bounces back. Um I, I just, they're going to bounce back, but how are they going to bounce back? Where is, where is the, the big improvement or the maintain, how, how they maintain what they've done? Um, I am really looking forward to the Iron Bowl. That is the one thing that I really want to um, keep an eye on. And, I, I don't know much about Auburn, but I'll, I'll put it out there. I, I, Auburn's going to give them all that they want to handle. It's something that Brian Harson does when he takes over a program. He did it at Arkansas State his first year at Boise State. He opens eyebrows uh, on, during his first year. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, I... The, the biggest thing I, I want to see is some normalcy and I, I, on the, on the bigger, on the bigger picture side, I think the NCAA is going to pass this uh, name image and likeness uh, rule. And I think we're heading to pro football minor, uh, unfortunately, uh, with this, I, I don't want to take the players' rights away and what they can do with their name, what they can do with their likeness, but it's going to open a can of worms that the big boys are going to get bigger and the small small guys are going to get smaller. I, I'm I hope it doesn't come to that, but that's what's that's what I think is going to happen. So, what are you what are you looking forward to? Well, uh with all the talk of Harson coming down to Auburn, I'm curious to see, I'm curious to that first game, which hopefully doesn't get amended this year. Like it, 
like it did this past season. Uh, I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to out of conference games. I'm looking forward to that that week one and week two games where you got you have Auburn and Oregon. You've got you know I think Alabama's squaring off with. Uh, oh. Miami? No. Yes. Yes. Is it my? Yeah, it is Miami. Okay. Yes. Hey, I was paying attention. Okay. So I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the to the cross to the cross conference lines and squaring off and having having a good game away from away from the normals. And then, of course, I I, I would like to see uh, this whole COVID thing just go away. <laughs> I I don't think it's going to just disappear, but hey, it'd be nice. Uh, I'm looking forward to. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to see if Coastal Carolina can repeat. Mm. I want to I want to see the Chanticleers get their just desserts. And finally, uh, I told you this was this was the showstopper. This is the <laughs> bold and this is the bold prediction. The best team in Mississippi will be coached by Deion Sanders. <laughs> That's <laughs> I I see on that one, Trey, and I agree with you. That's going to be uh, that. That's almost a slam dunk. It depends I, on not, how Kiffin. It depends on how Kiffin uh, recruits, but we'll. Well, I'm not going to take any away from Kiffin or Mike Leach, yeah. but. They should have some entertaining football down in Jackson, Mississippi, and that will be, <laughs> and that will be what I am look looking forward to the most to see if they cannot stick their nose into rarefied air. Little prime time. Little prime time. <laughs> so, hey, look, look good, go play ahead. good, play good, yep. win good, win good. Look exactly. Good. Th- those are some good times down there. <laughs> um. So with that, we are going to wrap up this season, uh, the first season of no relation college football, G5 versus P5. It's been wrought with technical difficulties. You just heard a little bit of that, just a tiny bit ago. And trying to maneuver through COVID just like, all the players and everything we got a half season done. I think we did quite well. Um, so I, maybe we might have a couple off season, uh, episodes, uh, maybe after signing day, maybe when spring football shows up, uh, and if major college football news hits, we might pull up an episode. So the best thing you can do is, hit that subscribe button because if you subscribe and we drop a new podcast, you'll get notified and you'll be able to listen, uh, rate, uh, comment, let us know what you want to hear about. What are you looking forward to next season? And from there, how do you want to wrap it up there? Trey? Um, I just want to thank you. Uh, for putting this together. Uh, I've had a blast doing it. Uh, I want to thank everybody who has listened, downloaded, even if it was white noise while you were in the kitchen or driving to work. I want to appreciate and thank everybody that tuned in and listened. Um, As you said before, um, like, share, comment, and uh, look forward to bringing you more great content uh, in the upcoming season. Right on. So with that, this is no relation college football G five versus P five. We're going to sign off for the year, but again, hit subscribe. We might have some sneaky episodes and I'd like to say thank you to all the listeners. Thank you, Trey, for agreeing to do this. Uh, it was, it's been fun. I didn't want it to be, I didn't want it to feel like a job and it hasn't felt like a job. So again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. And this is your co-host Steve Payson 
I'm Trey Payson. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you.